the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. I'm Bob Moffat. I want to welcome you very much to this edition of The Kingdom and Its Stories. And in this program, we try to encourage listeners and ourselves uh, to be more and more like Jesus. And one of the ways that we do that most effectively is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And uh, with us today, we have Gary and Gary uh, and Derek DeVelder, father and son. Um, this really kind of a, a privilege. We don't get to have a, a guy and his dad um, uh, with us very often as a pair, but um, the, we're, we want to welcome the two of you to the Kingdom of Stories, and we're anxious to hear your story of how God has helped you to lead a movement to help people be more like Jesus. So, Gary, tell us how did what is your what is your program? What is your ministry, and, and how did it get started? Well, our ministry is is called Abounding Service, and very specifically what we're doing right now is helping refugees learn English. And how we got started with that, it was 12 years ago, and uh, I was at retirement age, but retirement was not in my vocabulary. So I said, what else? I like that. (laughs) You like that? Yes, Bob. I like that. I said, what else can I do? Uh, I've had 40 years of ministry and service. And what have I learned in the 40 years that I could apply to the community? I had uh, had some experience in, um, in English, helping people learn English. And I said, there are communities in Phoenix that need this kind of service. And ultimately what happened was uh, God directed us to the refugee community, which I had no no. Uh, I, I didn't know anything about refugees at that time, but God did, and God led us to serving refugees. And uh, actually, God in the in the flesh was a refugee, wasn't he? And uh, yes, God in the flesh was a refugee. <laughs> uh, that's one great reason He cares for them, I'm sure. So, how many years has your ministry been going? Twelve years. And is it focused uh, in mostly the Phoenix area, or is it beyond that? It is now. Uh, we are focused. We have helped others uh, to create programs like ours in, in other places. 
but we are uh, basically right now located in Phoenix. Uh, okay. It is our dream to expand. Right. And, uh, Derek, but, um, you've watched your dad, and you're here with him, so I'm assuming you have a similar passion to his. I do. I I do. And how I got in is is passion absolutely in a little bit different direction. So specifically speaking to the um to the Arizona audience, um I'm one of yours. I'm one of your bass players. So my night job is I play with the Arizona Opera. And for decades I've I've been a classical musician. You know, went to ASU, studied in Vienna and Austria and and loved it. Just loved playing and making wow. music as a classical musician. And Phoenix Symphony Hall, you know, I remember looking up and there's the red dress and there's Carmen and she's singing right over the top <laughs> of my head to the audience. I was like, yes. And I had a problem. And that was God made it very clear that I needed to make a difference with my life in a way in addition to what I was doing. What was that? And I was seeing dad do this every day, day in, day out with volunteers. We call them volunteer encouragers. And so I went in and to volunteer. Um, and I remember sitting down with with um, a gentleman named Mutaf from, from Burma, a uh, refugee from there, and very mm. earnest in learning English. And he would turn to me and he'd say, thank you, teacher. And – as we got to know each other, I, I realized that I'm the one who had the problem. <laughs> you know, Mutal was like, I believe God was working in his life, right. but I know God was working in mine. And wow. so I was changing, and I know Mutal was changing as well. And I, that was like, okay, this, this is the place. This is the difference. This is the solution for, for my problem. And right. I think a lot of... I know a lot of people have a similar version of that within themselves. So by watching your dad, you realize that this was one way that you could allow God to use your life to infl- to draw other people toward himself. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so guys, you're... Your task, I understand, is to train volunteers to be able to teach refugees the English language. And so how, how do you do that? What's the process? Gary? Well, it's, it's really a very simple process. We, we use computers to do the heavy work, the heavy lifting of, of teaching English. Uh, so we use programs like Rosetta Stone, other similar programs. And what we ask of an encourager to do is simply come and sit beside uh, a student. Uh, these are all adult students. And you come and sit beside the student, help them with pronunciation, perhaps a, a word that they heard on their headphone that they can't repeat very well, or that helps with word meanings or maybe cultural context of the pictures that, that they're seeing. But, but the most important thing is to develop a relationship with that student and provide that student with a sense of dignity. 
That is well, the most important thing. A person who is learning English, who is appreciated, who is encouraged, who is given dignity, will learn English much faster than one who's just sitting at home looking at a Rosetta well, Stone. Why is, why is the dignity issue so important to you and to your ministry? Oh, refugees have been told ever since they've had to leave their home that they're worth nothing. When they came out of their country, uh, they had nothing. Uh, When they come to the United States, they have a suitcase. When they uh, interact with people in the United States, they know no English. Uh, We have had people today tell us the first time they felt good in the United States was when somebody deliberately smiled at them. Amazing. And we can provide that right here over and over and over, day after day after day. Wow. Wow. And and there's something about it, and I don't quite understand the process. But when that happens to an individual, they flourish much better than mm. when they feel like they're uh like they're not worth anything. And I'd like to right. I'd like to turn this over to Derek just a minute because he does this better than I do. So what what is it, Derek, that we do in one sentence? Well, I can do it in four. Four sentences. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, it just it's, it's true. I mean, too many – that's the problem is too many refugees, um, they struggle to connect because of their lack of English. They feel left out. They feel shut out because of that lack of English. And so that's why we teach refugees English and citizenship. And then through English – they can connect not just with their local communities, but our local communities. We connect. Right. And then they – now, this is the this is our kind of twist on this is then they can proudly contribute by volunteering with dignity. And our vision is to empower the marginalized. To do what? To serve. To serve others. To serve others in need. So something we do in a bounty service – is we also facilitate volunteer opportunities. So in some of our classes, um, we will have our guys uh, make sandwiches for for organizations that serve the homeless. And so we mm-hmm. had we had Bahat, you know, now, these are the refugees who are making sandwiches or the volunteers. Refugees, they're volunteering. They're the ones, okay. and they're the ones serving. They're not. Yes, it's good for them to serve other refugees, but they're serving. The homeless in Phoenix, they're making the sandwiches. And by yes, the way, we did okay. have to have an English lesson to explain how to make a sandwich, um, an English lesson specifically on what is bologna. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> and they were yeah. thrilled. I'm not sure I want to know what bologna <laughs> is. <laughs> and, they were, and they were thrilled. And we also, you know, we, we have other uh, collaborations and work with other nonprofits and, and, and certainly faith-based that are – that serve those in need. And, for example, one, uh, Le Pa, she's from, from Burma, and she just, she just beamed after helping a Thanksgiving, putting together Thanksgiving boxes and quality checking, which yes. takes English, to, you know, to make sure that this distribution goes well. And that, she says, I, I was so happy. I want to help people and refugees too, but I want to help people here. And I, I feel... I feel included. I feel important here. 
and that's that it, dignity. I, I think what you guys have hit on is one of the the secrets of healing. Mm. Refugees come often very broken. Yes. Yeah. And I think uh, because when I worked with delinquent kids for 12 years in Denver, we discovered that one of the most important ways for those kids to begin to be healed of the brokenness in their lives was to serve others. Yes. And um, by serving others, you're recognizing that I am worth something. I can make a difference yes. in somebody else's life. Yes. You know, it, now, is your is your ministry a Christian ministry? And if so, do the how would you describe that? I mean, are your volunteers all from the church, et cetera, et cetera? <laughs> okay, um, we are a faith based ministry, and uh, when we say yes, we are Christian, but we serve everyone. And so in our classes, in any one class, we might have Hindus and Muslims and uh, Buddhists and Christians and nothings. <laughs> uh, and, but what, what our purpose is, and we do this through, there's, there's a certain section we have uh, in a classroom. Our classes are two hours, and we divide it up into a certain amount of time they spend on the computers. But there's a certain amount of time that they, we spend in a group, and we call that Words of Hope. And we, we teach English from Bible stories. Right. And what, what happens is we depend we, – we don't really preach like say, okay, you need to become a believer. But what we do is we let the power of the Word – and the Spirit impact the lives of our students. What we're trying to do is move that student and the volunteer, because most of our volunteers are not believers. Uh, we you mean want, the people that you're training to teach the refugees, most of them are not believers. Is that correct. what you're saying? That's correct. Okay. Yeah, because they're just, right. they're just helping with Rosetta Stone and so forth. It's Derek and I, as we lead the class, we are the ones who are bringing this word. And our purpose is to move, you know, the continuum, Bob, of, you know, you start at minus 10 and you go to plus 10. Our purpose is to move those students and the volunteers along that continuum. Okay. And then, then if someday, and it's happened to us, we've had the privilege but if someday somebody else gets the privilege of actually bringing that person to Christ, wonderful. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Amen. But, can you do you have any stories um that can illustrate what you just said? Oh. Uh yeah. But, but Gary, before you go on, I I've been reminded that I have to, to remind our listeners that you're listening to the Kingdom and His Stories. And, um, and and we're we're glad you've joined this broadcast, and our purpose is to better learn how we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And our guests today are Gary and Derek Develder, who are leading a program uh, that is called Abounding Service, and that that ministry is is recruiting volunteers to who speak English to teach refugees how to speak English. And that's the core of the ministry 
which has implications of helping not only the refugees, but volunteers move from where they are toward God's intentions for them on that imaginary continuum of minus 10 to plus 10. Yes. So, so Gary, continue. Do you have stories to tell us that, that illustrate <laughs> what you were just sharing? Oh, I wish we had so much more time because there are so many wonderful stories. Uh, I'm Derek has his own stories that are his favorites, but one of mine is uh, a husband and wife from Bhutan, and they came to our house not long after they became uh, students. Came to our house one night, and afterwards, the the gentleman threw a translator because he couldn't speak English yet at the time. He he said, "I th- I thought Gary was a Christian." Well, he is, but why do you ask? Well, I didn't see any pictures in his home. Now, Naham was uh, uh, Hindu, and there were no symbolisms. And so it was a great opportunity for us to explain our own faith and why we didn't necessarily have the kind of symbols he was looking for. And then later on with his his wife, his wife said uh, one time after a story— uh, she said, "I want to. I want to. I want to belong to Jesus." Wow! And I said, "I said, do you really understand what this is all about?" I said, "Because you have many, many gods. You have hundreds of gods, right?" Oh yes, yes. I said, "You know, Jesus wants to be the only God." She said, "Only God." I said, yeah, Jesus wants to be the only God. And she said, may I think about that? Wow. And I said, yes, that is a very important thing to think about. Now, she did not come to belief at that time, but she moved along on that spectrum. On the continuum. On the continuum. Wow. Yes. Um, Derek. What are you, one of your favorites? I think that that continuum, um, what we see when we're doing words of hope in in class. So we, you know, classes are two hours long. Words of hope is about ten minutes in a group session. It's after citizenship test questions and fits in. We go through stories of the Bible from Genesis through the life of Christ in the context of refugee journeys, which is all over the Bible, and. At first, when when we know that students have a different faith background, they sometimes will look down during those stories. And then over months, they start to look up, up, up. No and kidding. And they look, and then they start answering. So then we have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for one of ours, and it's on our website. The video is on there. She's awesome. Her name is Sada. She's a citizen. She, you know, all the things. She's been looking up, 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 and then she starts answering the questions. Like, wow. just like, mm-hmm. well, who, who does this and this? She's like, Jesus. <laughs> and so, <laughs> or, once in, or once in a while, she'll say, we'll make a statement, and she'll say, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, she's, and she's Muslim. Yeah. And, and, and so. But she's really close. <laughs> it, so it just, it, it, it when you see 
parts of that t- continuum. I mean, it's it's as if I mean we are we are simply backing into the work that the Holy Spirit is doing. Amen. As the hands and feet of Christ, I I really f- feel that that I'm just backing in. I'm not, you know, I try to be intentional, but it's like wow, there it is. Well, you know, it's really interesting, Derek. You know, for me to just think of Scripture that Jesus never told us that we were responsible for bringing people to a point of decision, right. that we're responsible for being a witness. Yes. And, and, and witness often is a long-term process, especially with refugees who can't even, who, when we start with them, who can't even understand the words that we're saying. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's our, yeah, it's that continuum. Mm-hmm. I think I, I wish a lot more of us could understand that that witness is is part of a process that sometimes takes even a lifetime. Yes. You know, you know, Bob, part of that that witness is not so much in words. It's, sitting, it's not so much what? It's not so much in words. Yes. Or not only only in words. Words are important, but a, a a volunteer encourager can come in and sit down next to a student, and w- with the system we have, you're sitting like as close as Derek and I are together, and you're looking right directly, a foot away from the other person's eyes. Now we're all wearing masks. My mask required now, but that leaves the eyes open, and the eyes mm-hmm. are. You know, truly the eyes are the gateway to the soul. The eyes speak, don't they? The eyes speak, and they speak love, mm. care, concern. This this refugee has had a lot of case workers. They know who are paid. They know that the encourager that comes in for two hours, they know that that person is not paid. Mm. That person is there because he or she wants to be there. Wow. And wants to serve. These these people know that. And that is an incredible it's an incredible way to relate. And when you relate with that kind of love, you're demonstrate these people know that love comes from someplace. They have not been treated this way in the last 10, 20, 30 years that they've been in a refugee camp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now they're being treated again back to that love, dignity, and it's the encouragers, it's the volunteers that do that. It's not Derek and I. Yeah, we 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 give the story, we t- we do the words of hope. Yeah, we do, but it's the encourager, class after class after class after class after class for years. We have students that'll come five six years. And every time they've got somebody that sits next to them and shows that love through their eyes. And that's what changes people over time. Well, it's not the word love. Yes. It's the demonstration yes. of love. Yes. That makes a difference. Yes. And how does that do you have any stories of how that has changed your volunteers? 
Go ahead. Yeah, I one one in particular. Um, you know, she moved away to California, young woman in in um, in college, and and would come and was very, of course, very enthusiastic, very earnest. But then it's when she left. She she told dad, "I'm reading my Bible. I'm reading the Bible now." Like I'm read like it mm-hmm. just got her into that because of, you know, and you know because of the experiencing the stories and in seeing that love and exchange of love and the in the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. So we do see that also in the you know in that continuum in the lives absolutely of the of the encouragers. Right, and we've actually had people actually do come to Christ, actually hit point zero. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Right. But then we don't want to leave them at zero. We no, want to no, leave no. them toward plus 10, right? right? Well, of course, she moved away too. But <laughs> but yeah. somebody else then picks yeah. her up. I mean, that's that's the continuum. Okay. Gary and Derek, thank you so much for your willingness to join us today and encourage us through what God has done in your own lives and the direction he's taken your ministry. And through this interview today, just encouraging us to be in more and more the hands and feet of Jesus. In 10 seconds, Gary, what's your encouragement to our listeners? Uh, To um, get a hold of us at aboundingservice.org. That's our website. And uh, okay. or my phone number is four eight zero two two nine eight eight four two. Call us. Find out how you can get involved. You're brave to give us your phone number. Thank you. <laughs> God bless you guys. Jesus defines discipleship as "Come and follow me." Next Monday at five thirty p.m. on Faith Talk thirteen sixty, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.